Hello Colts fans and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. Joining me virtually is Mike Chappell. And it's another great victory Monday here in Indianapolis, Indiana. Today we're going to recap the Colts' win over the Houston Texans. We're going to discuss takeaways, uh, some impactful injuries, and how the playoff picture is shaping up for Indianapolis with just a few weeks left in the season. But first, Mike, how are you doing today? I'm above ground, and that's always a good way to start a day. Hey, can't complain about that. There you go. Uh, (laughs) All right, well... Not very newsworthy on Mike's front, but across the NFL, the Jets have fired defensive coordinator Greg Williams. Uh, You might have seen this call. They're talking about it everywhere. He calls an all-out blitz on the final play of the game, allowing the Raiders to convert their Hail Mary pass attempt. Um, I mean, one-on-one with Henry Ruggs, who's just running down the field, one of the fastest players in the NFL, uh, beat the cornerback and caught the ball to win the game for the Jets. Mike, I want to know your thoughts on the call, and as a Colts fan, I don't even know how to feel about this, because on one hand, the Jets beating the Raiders would have helped the Colts in the fight for a wild card spot. Uh, the Colts are currently the seventh seed in the AFC. The Raiders are just one spot behind the Colts at 7-5. and five. Uh, But on the other hand, the Jets' loss keeps Trevor Lawrence, at least for now, away from the Jaguars, who would have the second pick in the draft. They've won one game. The Jets have yet to win a single game. So, uh, Mike, I wanted your thoughts on all this, on just the call, and also the repercussions for Indianapolis. Yeah, whenever a play doesn't work, it's you should have done something else. But on this one, holy smokes, I mean, you, you're, you're leaving one-on-one coverage and, and what's sort of a Hail Mary last-ditch heave. It, it made no sense. Now, I think the firing had th- – this was a flashpoint, but apparently he and – gays have not gotten along and there have been issues it's the last time you've heard in a press conference post game the players criticizing the coach uh which happened so it, it was more than this but this this is one that really was kind of like the, the old uh it, it was the last straw as far as far as how it helps the Colts I always go short term instead of long term because you never know what happens long term they needed the Jets to win this one because right now it is it's it's Indy seven and Vegas eight in seeding. So next week is is monster. And if if you can put another loss on Vegas, it helps. Uh, the, the, again, the Colts they would lose Sunday. They're not out of it by any chance by any stretch. But the wild card thing is going to get kind of squirrely in the last couple of weeks of the, of the of the month. And you know the best way to take care of it is is in, in Vegas. But the Jets did them no favors at all with that crazy give up at the end of the game. Yeah, and then, you know, I, my first thought was almost like, are they trying to lose? Are they trying to tank for Trevor? I, I don't think that's the case. No coach or team wants a winless season on the record and end up 0-16. But, man, that, that, that's just brutal, almost like they threw the game away. Um only other thing on the news front here is that COVID-19 continues to run its way through the league. On Monday, NFL.com's the Ian Rappaport reported that the Panthers wide receiver DJ Moore is among the players added to the COVID reserve list. Uh, another another blow on a very good player across the NFL. Um, but the NFL seems determined to get these games played no matter what. So we just keep chugging along here and we'll chug along on the podcast and get to the game recap. Seven and four Colts 
Oh, sorry, Mike. Did you have something to say? Before we get into the game, I mean, it, it's it, game related, but injury wise, you know, they went into the game without Costanzo, and then five plays in, they lose uh, uh, LaRaven Clark with a with a torn Achilles. So now they're going to be down to their third tackle, Chaz Green, which isn't a good thing. Uh, the only the only optimism that Colts fans can draw is the Colts did not put Costanzo on IR, which is three games. So in their mind, in his mind, he was not going to miss three games. Now, whether that means he's back this week or next week, I don't know. But uh, this really exposes offensive line to the lack of reliable depth at tackle. Yeah, the Colts might have to make a move and sign somebody, even just for depth, um, just to get another tackle in there, another body in there. Uh, Yeah, that's, that's certainly news as well. Um, that uh, we, we, we can talk about off the top. It, it, Stanzo being out, I mean, I thought Philip Rivers, everything, you know, if we want to keep talking about news, uh, the news came out that he had the turf toe uh, on Sunday um, is what they're calling it. And, I mean, to play through that's pretty tough. There's a reason Philip Rivers has uh, started, what is it, 240-something straight games? Correct. Um, so... And I thought he played pretty well despite the turf toe. He was sacked three times, but when you're playing J.J. Watt and the Texans, um, they can get after you. So that's not necessarily an indictment of his uh, mobility, although I'll never speak for his mobility anyway. Um, but yeah, but called, back to the game. The, the, the NFL Network called it a plantar plate rupture. Uh, and a source told me, yeah, that's a fancy name for turf toe. Anytime you put the word rupture in anything, it sounds bad. This is we, we may have talked about this last week. This injury is going to be with him for the rest of the season. Uh, apparently, he was in a boot going from the locker room to the bus. I, I bet he's in a boot Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then he, he tries to practice on Thursday. That, that's what you do with these injuries. Uh, this isn't something that's going to get better. You know, they say, well, it's getting a little better each week, but, but it, 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 there's no way it really gets better. When you rest it for three or four days, practice, and then you play on Sunday. That that's just going to set you back every week. So this is something that he's going to deal with the rest of the season. And and, and what I mentioned last night, which is true to some point, is that this guy is not a sprint out quarterback. He's not a bootleg quarterback, so it doesn't limit what they do as much. But at the same time, it's got to impact his throwing motion to some degree. Although again, it's hard to tell. From Sunday, what was he, 27 or 35? Uh, pretty sharp. The, the fact that this is – now, if this is Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, or, or Kyler Murray, this is probably a more serious injury on how they play. But it, it, with a quarterback like Rivers, it, it, it does – it's not quite as bad because of how he plays the position. Yeah, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't getting a lot of use out of those toes anyway, or at least right. not as much as a Lamar Jackson or uh, – a player who is more gifted with his legs, we'll put it. Um, but impressive nonetheless. Uh, seven and four Colts in Houston, face of four and seven Texans. We talked about in the pregame show how the Texans were kind of surging. They had won three out of their last four. Deshaun Watson had an incredible season, but they just lost two of their better players in Will Fuller and Bra- cornerback Bradley Roby. And the Colts, they get off to a great start in this one by forcing a three and out. Then on Indianapolis's first possession, T.Y. Hilton decides to wake up. 
Two catches for 39 yards on that drive alone, including a 21-yard touchdown reception on third and six. In all, the Colts went 67 yards in six plays, and the game starts 7 to nothing in Indianapolis. But Deshaun Watson would answer, and this drive was all him. After being sacked on DeForest Buckner on first down, Watson scrambles for seven yards. Then on the next play, he dodges defenders, rolls out, finds Kiki Cutie deep for a 67-yard uh, pass. A huge connection there. On the next play, Watson would just run it in himself from 11 yards out, 7-7 seven, seven to Indianapolis. And this is kind of what we talked about leading into the game is the Texans don't have much besides Watson, but he may be enough to do do it all on his own because he's that talented, that gifted of a player. Uh, Colts next possession, they go three and out. Texans then get the ball in good field position. They pick up a couple of first downs before settling for a 52-yard field goal. 10-7 now. Texans with the lead. Colts trailing for the first time in this game. They would have gone three and out if it was not for a miraculous T.Y. Hilton catch on the sideline. It was originally called incomplete. They reviewed it and found that somehow he got his feet down uh, despite getting hit high and hit low by two Texans. Um, And then from there, a heavy dose of Naheem Hines got the Colts into the end zone. 14-10 Indianapolis. And that was Hines' seventh touchdown of the year. He's certainly having a career season in 2020. The Texans' next possession, they drive into Colts' territory, but a Justin Houston sack sets them back. Ultimately, Houston would have to attempt a 57-yard field goal. He missed it. Wide right. Colts take over at their 43. The Colts get a first down now in their driving. It's third and one at Houston's 36, and they try a little end around to Michael Harris. It's a three-yard loss. This brings up fourth and four. As you could have guessed, Frank Wright and the Colts decide to go for it. Um, and Jonathan Taylor just runs a little real route right into the blitz. Rivers tosses it over the defenders, and there's no one left to tackle Taylor. JT goes 39 yards into the end zone, 21 to 10 Colts. But again, Watson and the Texans would respond. Watson leads Houston down to the Colts' 15-yard line. On third and 12, the Colts get a stop. Defensive holding call on Anthony Walker gives the Texans some first down. On the next play, David Johnson would run it in from six yards out, and we have a 21-17 ball game. Colts now with the ball, and they're driving with the first and 10 on the Texans' 26. The Colts failed to gain another yard and they would settle for a field goal 24-17 to with about a minute, 12 seconds left. And that's just too much time to leave Deshaun Watson. He leads the Texans down to the Colts' 16-yard line. There's no timeouts left. 17 seconds on the clock. The Texans take two shots into the end zone, but on both occasions, Kenny Moore was there to knock the pass away. Great defensive efforts by him. He had a terrific game all day long. The Texans connect on a field goal before the half. It is 24-20 to 20 at the break. And then from here, the offenses kind of decided to call it a day. There were no more offensive points scored from here on out. The next six possessions would go Colts punt, Texans punt, Colts punt. Texans interception on a terrific play by Kenny Moore, which he wrestled the ball away from Brandon Cooks' hands. Uh, Watson had attempted a Houston record 200 32nd, 237 consecutive passes without an interception. Terrific play by Moore. Uh, the Colts couldn't do anything with it. They punted, and then the Texans punted on their next possession. So punt, 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 interception, punt, punt. 
Um, then Jonathan Taylor and the Colts will go on a long clock-eating drive. Taylor had 49 yards himself on this drive. Um, the Colts would end up with the ball on the four with the fourth and one Houston's yard line. There's about six minutes and 50 seconds left in the game. Frank Wright decides to go for it, which I, I don't mind the call to go for it, but why you do my, Naheem Hines up the middle is a big question to me. Uh, Hines is stuffed. The Colts turn the ball over on downs. Mike, this was a critical turning point in the game, or at least it could have been. What were your thoughts on this? Yeah, again, work. You should try something else. I was okay with going for. I they 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 stuck with the personnel on the field. They didn't put Jonathan Taylor in. They didn't put Jacoby Brissett in. So I I I don't understand. And they weren't totally bigs on bigs. I think the Colts had a receiver out to the left. So they. But why they why teams the Colts in particular don't. This is a pet peeve of mine. Why they don't spread out the formation and, and get some bodies out of the box. Just just make it so it's not like, you know, nine on nine. Uh, and, and then it would help if Trey Burton blocked his guy in the hole, which he didn't do. And as far as going for it, I, I want to ask Frank today when we had the, the conference call is, is the, you know, and, and he said his, his, his chart, the analytics charts, it was, he said it was a strong go. And you know how Frank is. And the one thing is he, he wanted to make it a two-score game. And if you say why, well, we saw at the end of the game, we saw at the end of the first half and the end of the game how how effortlessly Deshaun Watson takes this offense down the field. So I understand that. Uh, and, again, the, he, he was bailed out by what happened uh, shortly thereafter. Yeah, and I think, you know, we would see it come into play here. I would just say going into those analytics saying a strong go is where they are on the field. Houston's five-yard line, um, that means Houston's backed up if they do not get it, as opposed to if you're at their 20, 25 or whatever, and they have solid field position. Uh, like you said, the Colts defense bailed them out. First down, DeForest Buckner's sack. Second down, incomplete. And then on third down, Justin Houston gets to Watson for safety. It is now 26-20 Colts. They get the ball back, and the Colts end up going 24 yards on seven plays. They take about three minutes and 19 seconds off the clock, but ultimately have to punt again. Deshaun Watson gets the ball with roughly two minutes and 40 seconds left. No timeouts, and he's starting at his own 20. He wastes no time getting down the field. Boom, nine yards to Aikens, 23 yards to Cooks, 18 yards to Cootie, and that's the two-minute warning. Texans have the ball at the Indies. 48-yard line, and Watson keeps rolling. Eight yards to Duke Johnson, 16 yards to Cootie. Now the Colts are starting to preserve the clock and take some timeouts so that if Houston does score a touchdown, they could have some time to uh, retaliate and get a score of their own. Texans have the ball at the six-yard line. Johnson up the middle for four more yards. Colts take their last timeout. Second to goal at the Colts, two. There's about a minute and a half left. And here comes the bait of, do you let them score so that your offense has time to work with? Or do you play defense and try and stop them and win the game right here, knowing that if they do score, there could be very little time left? Uh, I know, Mike, I don't know where you fell on this, but I know you at least posed the question on Twitter. What were your thoughts at this point in the game? Yeah, you think about you, you think about let them score. Because, again, you may get the ball back with no timeouts, with less than a minute to play, having to go 
75, 80 yards. That's what I want to ask Frank about today is as much as he consults his analytics chart, where does it say when you let a team score? You know, the, the defense is saying, no, we'll stop them. And I asked Grover through that. He said, no, it was too late in the game and it was our job to stop them. But it's an interesting question on, on is that what you should do? So you give your offense a chance to, to, to run the two minute and respond with a, with a field goal. But uh, as we find out in the next play, it didn't matter. It didn't matter at all because the Colts were rewarded by playing defense. If they did, I mean, I guess they could have tried to let them score, but we never would have known because the Texans fumbled the quarterback center exchange. Anthony Walker dives on the ball, sealing the game for the Colts. It's a huge divisional win, 26 to 20. And Mike, takeaways, I got to start with DeForest Buckner makes all the difference. Four tackles, two for a loss, two sacks, three quarterback hits. I mean, he was just, he came out massive in his first game back from uh, from COVID, and Colts are glad to have him. Well, again, you, it, it's more than one person. It, it is, but go back and look at the last two games. The four note with and, and Derrick Henry just ran crazy, most of it up the middle, and not a lot done by the defensive line in this game. What what he does, he, he lets everybody else play their position. They don't move Grover Stewart to the technique. Grover can play nose, and Buckner does what he does. It, we've talked to, again, most indispensable Colts. Costanza was still one to me, and Rivers maybe two, but Buckner is a strong three. And uh, what he allows this defense to do is incredible. Uh, you know, you add him than in what Justin Houston did, and Grover Stewart's a totally different player when he's got Buckner next to him. So uh, I thought he had a great game back. Fresh legs, I'm sure. Hungry, I'm sure. Uh, again, with anyone who thinks that they overpaid 13th overall pick in the draft and $84 million, watch Tennessee game and watch the uh, Houston game and tell me that uh, that price is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's worth every penny. And speaking of Justin Houston, he had himself a day as well. Three sacks, including the safety. Uh, Mike, you noted that Houston now has four safeties, which ties an NFL record with Jared Allen, Doug English, and Ted Hendricks. But he told you that he thinks he should have five. Yeah, it was. He, he's really pretty good on Zoom. He, his eyes lit up because in his mind, he's got five. This was five. There was a play in 2016 when the Chiefs went to Denver. And he just flat buried Trevor Simeon in the end zone for a sa- for a sack and a fumble, and Russell Okun, Denver's uh, tackle, falls on the ball, and nobody touches him down. So when they blow the play dead, it's it's rend- it's ruled a team sack. Even though, like Houston said, I created the balls on the ground. So what Houston needed to do was just go over and tap the guy on the on the shoulder, and you get it. But he thinks he's got five. Uh, if the NFL was going to change that, they would have done it by now. So, uh, you know, the next one will be the all-time record. The next one. Well, hopefully there is a next one because the Colts could use it. Uh, next takeaway here is T.Y. Hilton back. Eight catches for 110 yards and a touchdown. His first 100-yard game since December of 2018. Uh, I mean, he absolutely owns the Texans. It would come in Houston in 18 career games against the Houston Texans, including the playoffs. Hilton now has 98 receptions, over 1,700 yards, and 11 touchdowns. 
Um, and Hilton got it going the week before with 81 yards and a touchdown the previous week against the Titans. If he and Rivers can keep this up, and they've kind of had that time now to develop a connection, this would be huge for the Colts' offense because then it would allow Michael Pittman. I mean, he, he's still a rookie in his first season. They can't rely on him to be the go-to guy every single game. It would kind of allow him to be that secondary guy, let Hilton do what he's done for so many years. I mean, Mike, are you convinced yet? Do you need another game or two before we say T.Y. is back? Where are you on this? No, we've seen it. I think a lot of this has to do with how they use him or don't use him. It's kind of strange. He's a player he was when he was a four-time pro bowler, but he's shown his things. He's gotten open. He's gotten deep, and the plays haven't happened. First, what the first half he's got uh, nine targets, seven catches, a hundred yards. He's got like one one target in the second half. So, and it's funny. Yeah, I said I thought he was going to go for two hundred yards after that first half. So, so sometimes they just get away from him. I, I don't know what it is. I'm not saying he should have had 20 targets by any means, but getting one or two targets in the second half after the first half, strange. But I agree with you. If they get him going now, no no one cares about the first 10 games of the season. That, that's done. But you get him going now, he, he gives you that deep threat. You get Michael Pittman, intermediate and deep threat. And then you've got the running game that, we can talk about it a little bit. I still don't understand. I just don't understand how they use Jonathan Taylor. I, I don't get it. Uh, he had, was it 13 carries, I think, in the game? Three in the first half for 21. Then he goes bonkers in the second half, 10 carries for 71 yards. He has shown the big play explosive abilities that the reason they drafted him. So, it, you know, the last month of the season, if they get T.Y., Pittman, and Jonathan Taylor gone, this offense will be pretty good. Yeah, speaking to Taylor, I mean, I here on the ground, this was the best game of his career. 90 yards on 13 carries at 7 yards per carry, a career best. He caught all three of his targets for 44 yards and a touchdown, including the 39-yard uh, touchdown reception, which is his longest play from scrimmage of his young career. Uh, this is the second game in a row that, Taylor had 90 rushing yards and over 100 yards from scrimmage. I, I, I totally get what you're saying with uh, not understanding how they're using him. It seemed like they could have done a lot more with him, especially in the second half where he seemed to be the only Colts offensive player who had any kind of success. But, I mean, it, it almost seems like they're setting him up to be the closer in these games. Like they'll use Naheem Hines a little bit more early and then they'll set it up so that Taylor – can be a little bit more fresh against that tired defense because this is the second game in a row now where he's just kind of had some big, good runs. He's running people over in the second half and really helping the Colts uh, kind of milk that clock and milk their lead. But if they can get Taylor going and Hilton and Pittman Jr., um, Hines is doing this thing. And then Phillip Rivers, we haven't even, you know, 27 of 35 for 285 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I have in here the Colts won the bonehead play battle. They didn't have any turnovers. Rivers is playing really well of late. And I feel like the Rivers haters, the people who didn't like the signing, are going to hate it no matter what. They're going to find reasons to put down Phillip Rivers. Oh, they didn't do anything in the second half when they needed to, which is true. 
I wanted to ask you, how concerned are you about the no offensive points in the second half when you needed it on multiple occasions? I mean, I think the defense kind of bailed them out. And if Watson scored on that final drive, this whole conversation is the offense didn't do what they needed to do when they needed it. Yeah, I can, and I can point to the one play, the fourth and one. If Hines picks that up and you score, then even though it's one touchdown in the second half, you say that's what you want. You put the game away when you do. Uh, and Houston, with their playmakers, when you got Watt, they're just going to make plays. And they did. Chaz Green gave up the one sack to the linebacker. We just got whipped on the outside. But but I, I guess I'm, I'm not that concerned with the offense. I'm more concerned with the defense. I was looking at these stats, and it's just it's mind-boggling. In the first half this year, they faced 63 possessions and given up 22 touchdowns. About a third of the second half, they faced 60 possessions and given up seven. They've not given up a, a second-half touchdown in the last four games. So I guess whatever you're doing at halftime, you know, do it in the first half. And, and Justin Houston talked about, it was last week or week before, how they're, they're too hyped in the first half. So maybe they get away from being on point and being on technique and all that. And then they settle down at, 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 in the second half. But it's really crazy that, you know, the points given up by the defense in the first half, 20 on Sunday, 35, 28, 17 in the last four games. And in the last four games, they've given up two second-half field goals. That's it. So, uh, you know, as much as there's concern on the offense can kind of get hot and then get cold, this defense, this Jekyll and Hyde by the defense, is it's crazy. And if they had an answer to it, they'd have fixed it. But it's really hard to kind of go week to week not knowing which what you're going to get from your defense. Although I guess you do. You're, you're going to get nothing in the first half. and plays in the second half and uh what, what we've seen is playmakers on defense playmakers you know we haven't even mentioned Darius Leonard's name and he's their big playmaker well that's because Kenny Moore that's because DeForest Buckner that's because of uh, of Justin Houston and and uh, Anthony Walker with with the late recovery so when's the last time the Colts have had three or four defensive playmakers it's back in the Freddie Mathis days yeah he- you know, Darius Leonard didn't have a bad game by any stretch, no. but he had a quiet game by his own standards, um, which really just goes to show how well the rest of the Colts defense played. And I mean, I guess my last point on that is, I guess you'd rather have a bad first half and great second half than the other way around. You know, I, I, I'd rather them, you know, clamp down in the second half, give the offense a chance to catch up than just be terrible in the in the second half of the game but yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense and hopefully the Colts can get it together as they make this stretch run to the playoffs um Mike I think it's time now to go ahead and name our offensive and defensive players of the game uh I'll start first on offense I'm gonna have to go with T.Y. Hilton I mean he finally got something going his first 100 yard day um since 2018 and without T.Y. doing what he did in the first half and getting those points scored, they might not win this game because they didn't do much at all in the second half. So I'm going to have to go with T.Y. in this one, although there's several other players I could have picked. I could go with Phillip Rivers. I could go with Jonathan Taylor. But T.Y., it's 
and he knows it, and they know it. When they get him going, they're a different team. They just are. It opens up things. He made some great catches. Uh, the crossing touchdown was was, was vintage T.Y., so let's give it to T.Y. because goodness knows it's been a long time coming. All right. Well, I'll let you start first on the defensive player of the game. Well, I, I give it to Justin Houston. Uh, again, three three sacks and in, in, in the safety, his second this year. Third, he's, it's his third as a Colt. He had one last year as well. And uh, I, and again, there were, there were other possibilities. I thought Grover Stewart had a great game to force Buckner, but it's those shock plays that make a difference, and Justin Houston had a bunch of them. Yeah, Justin Houston. Um, you know, Anthony Walker led the team with 11 tackles. He played well. Uh, Okariki wasn't out there. I'm going to go with Kenny Moore, though. He was second with eight total tackles. Um, several passes defended, I think three, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and two of those saved touchdowns in the end zone at the end of the half. And then he also had the interception on Watson. I mean, I thought he was shut down all game long. And I mean, like you said, there's several players I could have gave it to. Buckner played lights out. Houston played lights out. But I just thought Kenny Moore made a huge difference in this game. So I'm going to go with him, but really splitting hairs in that category. Uh, injuries, we kind of talked about Raven Clark suffering the torn Achilles. Colts are now down to their third stringer, Chaz Green, until Costanzo was able to make his return. Uh, hopefully the Colts are done with the killer injuries now. It seems like they've had their fair share. Yeah. Yeah, between Marlon Mack and Malik Hooker, this is now their third Achilles injury, which is just brutal. It's one of the toughest injuries in sports to come back from. Uh, so well wishes out to Lorraine Clark. Hopefully he can make a full recovery. One of the, the, one of the thing on, on that with all those three players, these are three guys in the final year of their contract. So they're going to be free agents in the offseason. And it's it's just not the, it's it's of all, all of all the ways going to the offseason as a free agent coming back from an Achilles is not good. No, it's not, especially Clark happening so late in the season. Correct. You know, he's not going to be healthy until maybe this time next year. So he might not get that call for quite a while. You got to feel for him. Mike, am I missing something? Were there any other injuries that you noticed from this game? I need to check with Frank today. I'm not so sure that Isaiah Rogers didn't have concussion or he was being looked at for a concussion in the second half following a kickoff. The one, he, the one where he did a Cordero Patterson when he came out like, 15 yards deep. It was incredible. <laughs> but I think that was the only the only other one that I noticed. Uh, Xavier Rhodes went out briefly but came back in. So uh, I hate to say the only one was, may have been Lorraine Clark when it was such a serious injury, but I, I think that might have been it. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, let's take a look at the playoff picture. Uh, big help for the Colts was the Titans lost to the Browns on Sunday. So now both Tennessee and Indianapolis are eight and four. The Titans still have the tiebreaker for the AFC South lead uh, because they have a three and one divisional record. Whereas the Colts are two and two within the division that week one loss at Jacksonville is still having late season impact on Indianapolis. The Titans finished the season with Jacksonville, Detroit, the green Bay Packers who are rolling right now and then Houston. So hopefully they can lose to the Packers. If you're a Colts fan and then there's two more divisional opportunities for the Titans to lose uh, in case it does come down to that tiebreaker. The Colts have the seventh spot and final playoff spot in the AFC. They're still sticking with the seven spots for now, right, Mike? They're not going to eight until they have to cancel Correct. something. Correct. Okay. Unless they have to go to a week week 18, I think is what it is. 
Gotcha. So the Colts are have the final spot in the playoffs currently, one spot ahead of the seven and four Raiders. Actually, I think they're seven and five now. Correct. Uh, the seven and five Raiders, uh, and the Colts play the Raiders next week, so that'll be a massive game. The Colts are one spot behind the eight and four Dolphins, who finished the season with a really tough schedule. They play Kansas City next week, then they play New England, then they play the Raiders, and then they play Buffalo. Um, so that's that's a tough stretch for the Dolphins. There, we'll see how they fare after the Ravens or after the Raiders. Excuse me. The Colts play Houston again at home, then they visit currently undefeated Pittsburgh. The Steelers played tonight on Monday Night Football. And then Indianapolis just finishes the season against the one-win Jaguars at home. So the Colts, not too bad of a stretch there, but some really meaningful games with divisional games coming up. That'll have to do with the tiebreaker. Uh, the Raiders game is huge for playoff spot. And then, I mean, Pittsburgh, beyond them needing to win that game, that's just a huge test as a team for them taking on uh, the undefeated Steelers. So the Colts are still chugging along. They're hoping to make that playoff spot. And you'll have to join us on Thursday when we're joined by Dave Griffiths to preview a critical Colts at Raiders matchup. Until then, that'll do us for, do it for the Colts Blue Zone podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. Mike Chappell is with me here. You can follow him on Twitter at mchappell51. Follow me on Twitter at Joe. You can follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter for Colts updates, news, entertainment throughout the week at Colts Blue Zone. And until next time, have a great one, Colts fans.